Hey, and welcome to the second episode of Real Block Talk, where we talk about blockchain real estate and everything in between. Today, I'm joined by Warren and Stephen from Imbrex. Today, we have a guest, and his name is Tyler Ward from Proof Systems. Hey, Ryan. Uh, it's good to be on the second episode, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to Tyler. We've done a lot of work with him over the last six months or so, and uh, he's been super helpful with our project. And uh, I know he's doing a lot of interesting things in the space, and the digital ecosystem or digital advertising space is, uh, is changing on its own, but also blockchain is adding a, a new element to it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to poking some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, I think that this blockchain space in general, uh, it's you can pretty much expect change on an almost constant basis, basically a weekly basis. So where I'd like to kick things off, where I have some questions is, why don't we just start out with uh, how did you how did you get into digital marketing, and from there, how did you branch off into blockchain? Yeah, so. That's actually a funny, well, story. I, it's a longer story. So I never had a job in marketing other than when I first came out of school. I worked in an advertising agency back in 2011, maybe 2010, right when social media was first becoming like an actual thing that people use to advertise. So. I was always interested in new technology, um, so I got really excited about the social media and I told this advertising agency that it was going to be the future of pretty much everything and they were just like, okay, young intern, uh, go sit in your chair. Uh, we make billboards and like print publications, so like that's what we focus on. If you want to go do like a digital agency, you know, like go figure that out. So I didn't have a marketing degree anyway. I worked in finance uh, and I'd been trying to get a finance job, hence I was an intern. So when I got a job in finance, I moved out of advertising and marketing and that was like pretty much the end of what I did. Uh, fast forward a little while, I ended up in corporate sales through doing a lot of like financial stuff with VCs and private equity companies that made some introductions to software companies with me and I went through a couple exits, but it was always in pretty much a sales capacity. I helped in marketing, but I never really had like a marketing job. But all the while through this entire career, I always had my own e-commerce companies that I was starting. Like I started my first one when I was 21, I sold it at 25. Uh, then I started another e-commerce company that's actually like a prank candle and gag gift company and it was really lucrative for me so i ended up just working for myself i didn't really need to have a job anymore uh, i still have that company but i only get sales in march april uh november and december i mean i get sales all year round but like it's not actually a job so during the summertime probably two years ago i was pretty bored and didn't really have anything to do like income was covered but uh, like, you know, eventually you sit on the couch long enough playing video games and you get sick of like mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, you, you kind of like want a job. So basically I got sick of not, you know, I got sick of being on the couch with my dogs all the time. So I ended up getting an office space in downtown Raleigh and I didn't want to spend a lot. So like I split it with another advertising agency where I just had like my candle company they had their advertising agency, but keep in mind, like my entire like e-commerce existence was all digital marketing. So like I was self-taught and 
I didn't understand the industry terms. So there were all these like esoteric words that like advertising agencies use that I always thought maybe they were like further ahead or more advanced like than where I was. But until I started working for that agency, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is actually, uh, I'm a lot better at this than like all of these people that are selling these advertising services. So I just offered this guy like, hey, I'd love to just help uh, because I think that I can like drive a lot of value for your clients. He had some e-commerce clients. Uh, and so like, instead of running my prank candle company, uh, I was kind of like, okay, well, if I can sell like a half a million dollars worth of like some gag gift candle, I can probably sell a lot more money worth of like a real product that like people buy on like a daily basis. So I started working with some like 20, 30, 40 million dollar e-commerce companies. Being here in the Raleigh area, there's a huge tech hub. Uh, and so I started working with like various like software companies, like uh, mobile apps, pushing like uh, mobile installs on um, like through Facebook and Google and some of these other mechanisms. And through that, how I got into the blockchain, how this all kind of comes together full circle is I had a mobile app company uh, where they were selling gift cards via a mobile app. And we found out that uh, pretty much the reason that the mobile app industry had grown so substantially uh, was because people were using, uh, I'm sorry, why the gift card mobile app industry had grown so substantially or the gift card industry in general was because people were using Bitcoin and Ethereum to buy like $100,000 gift cards to like Walmart and Amazon. <laughs> and it was so they could like hide their crypto earnings, right? Because they didn't have any way to like get that into fiat without paying taxes. So they were just buying huge gift cards and using that money like on the internet. So once we figured that out and we started targeting uh, crypto buyers or like crypto interests on uh, Facebook, then like the sales shot up, uh, like the guy that ran the company ended up exiting and he went and worked at like a crypto uh, studio that focused on like incubating blockchain projects called Consensus that's in Brooklyn. Uh, so I got lucky very early on that I just had a connection that started incubating projects within there. And I started helping with all of uh, their uh, coin sales and all of uh, the marketing that they were doing. And that's pretty much spiraled into a full blown career in crypto, which has gotten me where I am today. I still have prank candles, which got me here. But um, yeah, I would say that that's a very small fo uh, focus on what I do at this point. That's great. So, so actually, you lost me at one point. How did you find out exactly that people were buying gift cards with crypto, with their crypto earnings? So the guy that who was the CEO of the company figured that out. He was into crypto. I didn't really get into crypto until I realized at that point that people had that much money in crypto. Uh, I think that he went and heard like Joe Lubin talk uh, or have a speech somewhere. He knew a bunch of people at consensus and like it was through talking with them that he figured out uh that people were buying gift cards or like that's why the industry shot up so much uh so i wasn't responsible for that but like once we essentially figured that out it became pretty easy to target those people using social media so how did you get into the i don't like the word ico but it seems to have stuck at this point we uh 
How did you transition into doing these ICOs? So we, we did our we did our token sale last August, and um, you know our way of marketing was just creating content both on ourselves and on some of the infrastructure and getting to to know the community through Reddit. Um, but that that wasn't enough at first. So our token sale was a month long, and then we found uh, a company out in uh, Europe that said, hey, we can get you on uh, all these additional pages and help you amplify your message. And so that for us was an education because, you know, marketing for me was, uh, you know, hey, you, you see those ads in an article, but nobody actually clicks those. Well, I was, I was way wrong about that because um, apparently people do. And so you, you got into these, these token sales and I know that you were running with that for, for so many months. Um, and now you're working with companies like us that are post-token sale. So just kind of, it would be interesting for you to explain how the, the token sale uh, dynamic has been and then the differences between companies that are getting ready to go raise money and then companies like us that are just trying to now uh, explain to the real estate industry in particular what this technology is and uh, you know really break it down to its lowest common denominator. Yeah, so... I would say that pretty much with any type of marketing, the trick or the the best thing to do is to try to figure out how to like break things down into bite-sized chunks and then uh, distribute those to the right areas and get as many eyeballs on them as possible. So like simplifying a message uh, is probably like the ability to simplify things is probably one of the best traits that you can have as a digital marketer. So. The way that I got into the token sales was uh, actually when Consensus was starting to have some of their token sales. Um, I don't really know how to say this since like they're still my clients, so I don't want to paint them in a bad light, but they had one that was going not necessarily so well, and it was the digital marketing that seemed like it was faltering. So I basically just took over that token sale, and pretty much after that point they trusted me or tapped me to be able to uh, do a lot more of them after that and through that yeah that's pretty much how I met everybody in the industry um, but, but what's your what, what's your strategy look like when you're working with a new like so in the very beginning you had to come up with uh, some kind of a model right to to get the faltering one and then beyond that I'm sure you just iterated that model but like what did that look like because we only know it from post token sale but what are you doing specifically with companies that are going out to raise money whether consensus or not consensus where are you getting them where do you focus what type of outlets what type of kpis do you look for yeah so and that all of that's changing actually so the i would say that the market is moving towards uh needing uh, true partners in the space that are going to be able to not only like help brand and craft the message and like essentially build uh, more or less like a company and a website uh, but what I was doing in token sales marketing which I'll I'll bring that back to your question and actually answer it but that is pretty well known uh, like how to market a token sale like you can google it and essentially just find the same framework that you could find for uh, e-commerce companies, like how do you sell products online, right? 
Um, where it is probably going is using advertising more as a mechanism to get your brand out there and get eyeballs on it so that there's some aspect of hype, but the transitional or the transactional aspect of what you use marketing for before on token sales where you could just run ads like 40% off, uh, come join our sale, like we're selling tokens, pretty much that's been shut down almost across the entire internet other than like a few esoteric pockets uh, that are specific to crypto and then also very expensive because of that. So what I originally did was I went out and I looked at, uh, I consumed as much human content as I possibly could about not only crypto, cause I had to learn this stuff on the fly. So not only was I doing uh, a massive amount of uh, work and research on just figuring out the blockchain in general, but then I was also going on all of these sites and seeing like, okay, well that ad is on this site. So I can tell that that's a Google ad cause it has the AdSense image next to it. I started seeing a lot of ads on my Facebook uh, that were crypto related or crypto centric. I started seeing, I mean, it's kind of the way the internet like knows that you're interested in X. So X starts following you all around the internet more as a broad stroke. And then it hones down uh, as it finally gets you to buy something. Um, that's like very calculated. Uh, it's not like the entire process is calculated, but each step along the way, some marketer uh, essentially had some aspect of data that they put somewhere or you know moved you in a different direction and then got you to do something that finally got you on that website where you actually purchased something. So it's not like some planned consortium. It's just you know the people are sending people to a lot of different places and figuring out how to get them there. So I went through, uh, there was a lot of publicly available data uh, that I had access to just by, you know, the internet following me around and consuming as much as I could. But then also one thing that I realized is that, uh, well, two things. Um, one thing I realized is that the companies that did ICOs, uh, they had like no intrinsic motivation to keep all of that to themselves, right? So there was no reason that like Steven who did an ICO would want to like keep information from me on like what worked and what didn't. So like I just started reaching out to people. This also helped my career later on in crypto because I made a lot of connections through doing this. But I just went out to some of the projects that had raised a ton of money and I asked them like what worked, what didn't work. And some of them were really elementary because there was just a lot of hype at the time. Some of them were a little more advanced. So I took all of that together along with my systems that, uh, I mean, I have my own like proprietary systems of what works for digital marketing. And that's why I've been able to grow uh, like e-commerce companies to a couple like hundred thousand dollars of revenue and then flip them and turn them. Uh, if not like, well, actually I've grown some companies to multi-millions of dollars, but they weren't like my companies, unfortunately. Uh, that's probably what I would be doing if it wasn't for crypto is I would be building e-commerce companies. So I have a general framework of like KPIs at, that I'm going to expect from like what you pay for an email, you know, what you pay for a purchase, what you pay for like registrations. Uh, then also e-commerce helped me out substantially of like, how do you uh, psychologically get someone on site to take a certain action. So like forking over your like credit card and like purchasing something online, historically 
was like the most difficult thing to get someone to do online, like more, I mean, within reason of like what advertisers are doing. Uh, so like after uh, you can kind of figure out like how to lay out a site, like what metrics, what mediums to run, like what the average like cost per in, uh, metric is across like the internet specific to certain industries, then you can essentially take some of the frameworks that every kind of marketer has like their own way that they go about doing things. So as long as you can fit that within the framework of a token sale and educate people and teach them like what they're buying and about the technology, then eventually later down the line, like, and it could be a three month process of like, you know, you saw an ad, you gave someone your email address, they started communicating with you and building a relationship with you. And then three months later, you knew enough about the project to actually decide to buy a token. That probably wasn't like what you thought you were gonna do when you initially gave them the email. So there's iterative steps along the way uh, that you communicate with people in digital marketing to try to uh, get them to take some type of certain action. Right, and then, so like nine months ago, you were probably going to platforms like Reddit or uh, more user-centric applications to get exposure for these token sale projects. Whereas it seems like, well, I know it doesn't just seem like it, but now you have like the, the token sale or the ICO market evolving where you, you're seeing all these funds populate. And so, you know, you're not seeing, because there was this influx of so many projects, I guess there's still token sales going on, but it's not like it was last August, September, October, where you had this, you know, incredible interest in this, you know, new type of way to, to purchase this asset. So, so I guess I'm, I'm curious, has your, your model changed? Are you targeting a different type of uh, user? And also how has like Facebook, cause for us personally, and we've dealt with this with you is they're like, okay, you can't use the word blockchain. So we've had to get very creative. And, um, and, and I didn't realize how, how powerful Facebook is. I mean, I, I'm like, I liked Facebook, you know, six, seven years ago. I thought it was a great tool. And then as it got bigger, it was just all ads. And I'm like, this is terrible. And then, you know, you're, you, we got into this space and I'm like, you're showing us how you can target down to like the, the age, the location. I mean, it's incredible. And you, you rethink, you're like, wow, this is a really powerful tool. No wonder their stock's worth, you know, a buck 75. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, how has that all played into it? it both the, the type of user that you're targeting today is it the same, and then how have these changes affected your business? Because I know you're growing like crazy. I'm just curious how you're juggling all that. Yeah, so I mean, some of it's just been, you know, hiring people. Uh, so it's definitely changing. Um, the number one area that is changing is that marketing and digital marketing is becoming less important in terms of the actual final conversion, right? Because before you could do, do the entire thing uh, exactly from a digital perspective. Now, um, two things have happened. And so this is going to ebb and flow. Like I kind of think it's going to go like this, where uh, right now institutional funds are completely dominating uh, all of the sales. So like we did a sale mm, three weeks ago and raised $20 million, but that primarily came from 400 contributors where before 
that so that's like over fifty thousand dollars per contributor, right? What was it? A, wait, was it a public sale? Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And, and so before we were seeing like seven thousand dollars per contributor, but the reason for this is is because. Can you say who the project is, or can you not say that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a public project. It's called Virtue Poker. Okay. Um, And they were a little difficult because you can't... People... Gambling is even worse uh, on the internet than token sales, uh, right? Because, like, you can't advertise poker or gambling anywhere. Um, But I actually think that's going to be one of the first, like, true daily use cases for crypto is going to be some type of esports or gambling or gaming. I mean, we already saw that with CryptoKitties. And then behind that, once people kind of like realize the value of crypto, then eventually it's gonna move to like real estate, where I think is like the most common sense use case for like what crypto would be used for. I would say like real estate, insurance, any type of like document housing. Um, But like people are gonna, like the internet needs like YouTube uh, and like consumers to like be bought into the technology before you can have like Zillow, right? Like, uh, so there still needs to be some type of commercial interaction where like there's a dApp that people need to buy Ethereum in order to be able to use. Um, but with that said, uh, with the aspect of like Virtue Poker, because they were a, um, a gambling thing, it was very difficult to market whatsoever. So that could be a big reason that drove uh, the re- uh, the low, low amount of actual token buyers. But the other reason is gonna be because a lot of people that used to put like $7,000 or $10,000 singularly into a token sale, uh, I think that pooling of funds and the reason that people pool funds is because uh, they can like negotiate better rates uh, for like earlier stage contributions. I read somewhere recently that the average like ICO return in a four week period is 82%. Now like that probably went back to back last year, but that's also including all of like the private sale money that people get a discount at. And that's also where digital marketing is kind of becoming uh, less important to close the deal because you use digital marketing to build a community around a technology, get people excited about the technology, test out the technology to make sure that people even care about it uh, and are interested in it. But you're not going to do, you shouldn't open up your token sale until like the battle has pretty much already been won. And what I mean by that is there's going to be people that come in through digital marketing and say, I think real estate uh, is a great use case for blockchain. I think blockchain is going to change the world. How do I get involved? Who do, who do I hop on a call with? And then they hop on enough calls with these founders that you pretty much know like off of soft commits through marketing uh, that you know you essentially are going to sell out the sale where the there are less people in the in the pool of all of the buyers that are just logging into a live public sale and contributing because all of those people realize that they can join these syndicates they can pool all their money together act like they're vcs and then say like hey we don't want to buy it at this price that you're advertising we want to buy it at this lower price but we're going to bring you instead of five thousand dollars we're going to bring you five million dollars but there's you know 500 of them in these groups uh what's eventually going to happen from there is those groups 
are going to become VCs because there's normally like four or five people within these groups that are making all of the decisions or doing all of the work and everybody else is just piggybacking off of them. So these groups just work as feedback loops now. Like they'll see an ad that I run, they'll go to the website, they'll start following it, they'll get introduced to it, they'll send it into all of these groups that are these like super private esoteric groups all around the internet. And then from there, those people reach out directly to the projects. And then it's kind of on the project to like close that deal and get it done on their own. So where my business is drastically changing is partially that I've been through enough token sales that I actually understand what's going on. And I'm not just trying to run like $3 million worth of ads for a campaign anymore. Um, I'm just trying to reach out and get in front of those groups specifically where those groups are eventually just going to become funds because those three or four guys in these syndicate groups that have 500 people in them that are doing all the work, eventually they're going to be like, okay, you guys are going to have to start paying me. I'm going to start a fund. Everybody can, you know, put a hundred thousand dollars in it. And then boom, you have a $50 million fund that invests specifically in crypto. Um, so like knowing those people and getting into those groups, uh, they're starting to get more closed off, but they weren't closed off eight months ago when I started all this. So, uh, I just kind of got in early and know a lot of these people in these various places that now what I'm doing is I'm just marketing the projects to get the name out there. Very similar to how you would have done like crowdfunding or true like VC raises a long time ago is like, yeah, you can put together like a pitch deck and just go talk to a bunch of VCs. But it's going to work a little bit better if you at least have like a website, a brand, like you, you've actually thought it through. You've got some type of customer, like a live product, which the market is moving towards, like demanding like live dApps before you can even do a fundraise. So it's going to probably move more towards uh, this traditional VC route. But where I said earlier that it goes like this and this, that's because we're here on this, this and this trend, right? Ethereum and Bitcoin are going to shoot back up. And when they shoot back up and they go back above, you know, 12, Ethereum goes back above $1,200 or it goes to $2,000 and there's a, you know, $200 billion pool. One of the reasons that ICOs did so well was the same reason that those gift cards did well. There was just a whole bunch of money sitting in the market. Nobody wanted to cash it out and they got bored and didn't know what to do with it. So they started putting it in gift cards and ICOs. Well, right. now when the market shoots back up again, those people that aren't part of those syndicates that may have gotten involved last October and they're not crypto millionaires that have money to put five to $50,000 in every single project, then those people are going to start their new group. So it's going to go all these syndicates and VCs are going to be able to demand whatever they want, similar to housing, right? It's a, it's a buyer's market, so they can, de they can demand better terms. Well, eventually when Ethereum goes back up, there's going to be a lot of excess capital in the market. And then you are going to just be able to run ads again. And you're going to say, hey, like we're not working with syndicates. We're not working with VCs. We're selling directly to the public because we want liquidity. There's a utility use case and, and, you know, getting these in the hands of people that are actually going to be able to use it. It's a product sale and we don't need all of these like investors. Right. So eventually it's going to be a seller's market and those sellers are going to be able to dictate the terms. And when that happens, that's when it's going to be when marketing becomes substantially important again. But it, then Ethereum's going to drop back down. 
All these people are going to turn into syndicates, VCs, some of the old ones are going to fail. So it's just going to go like this constantly forever. Um, well, depending on like where, I mean, I guess stuff can't go up forever, you know? Well, it depends. If you ask people in Bitcoin, it can. I mean, yeah, but like things are still going to like, I don't know. It's it, it's going to work like real estate. Things are going to go up and down. It's going to be some process for sure. Well, it definitely can't go up forever in, in crypto in terms of Ethereum, uh, in terms of all the dApps, because like companies are going to run out of money and fail. Like Bitcoin can't really like run out of money, right? Like, so like I'm not, that wasn't like a crypto philosophical statement I said that I said this isn't going to last forever. I'm saying like there within the industry, like sure, wherever Bitcoin goes, there's still going to be ups and downs in the industry because like the industry is going to be hot. There's going to be a bunch of good ideas. There's going to be hype around it and then people are going to get bored and then same thing's going to happen again. Like it's going to start working very similar to like stocks and bonds and uh, real estate. Like, right. Like there's people that make millions of dollars in real estate because they got in at the right time. There's people that lose millions of dollars in real estate because they got in at the wrong time. And crypto is going to start establishing cycles in some capacity because who if somebody really thinks it's just going to go to like a billion dollars and that it's going to like eclipse the whole world thing it's like okay well i i mean sure but like within realistic terms like there's going to be ups and downs within and any industry. everything has its limits mm -hmm. yeah agreed um so lauren brought this up earlier and it's a good question so how will things like um basic attention token and what was the other uh project that we were looking at bitclave another um, so how, how's BitClave and how is uh, Basic Attention Token, how is that going to affect what you're doing, right? So those guys are, they're taking Google's model and they're, it's pretty interesting. I mean, they're, they're saying, well, we're going to essentially find a way to generate money for those that want to view these advertisements, otherwise they can block them out. So have you started to think about how that will affect your business or have you not gotten that far? Because I know those projects are still in their infancy. No, so I mean, well, uh, basic attention token says they have 200 or 2 million uh, daily active users. I mean, I don't know like if they're categorizing bots as that because one thing that the crypto community is going to have to establish as users and like because it's blockchain, eventually we're going to like demand true numbers for this, right? Is because you can track a lot of this type of stuff is that. Anytime that you hear like daily active users in crypto or you hear about like trading values, like trading volumes, like take that with a grain of salt because like a lot of what's going on in crypto because there's lack of regulation is that like within like stocks, you can't, two uh, algorithms can't like trade with themselves, right? So like that's, uh, it's against the law, like two buy side algorithms can't just like bid up the price of something. <laughs> So like that is allowed in crypto because these things aren't like securities or regulated or anything like that. So when you hear like Ethereum has substantially more like day to day transactions than Bitcoin, like that could just be because like one like algorithm, two algorithms traded back and forth with each other like six billion times that day, like in order to like bid up the price of like some random token so that like they can trick like human traders, right? Like it's just like algorithms. So I don't know if I believe this two million active daily users that basic attention token is saying, 
because like those could just be bots, right? Like the same uh, issue that Google and Facebook had for a long time. There's like a whole bunch of bot traffic uh, for whatever reason. So, uh, but with that said, if that number is accurate, that's like a pretty substantial number for like a company that's been around for six months. Um, so a few things here. I think that uh, I don't worry about like Facebook and Google banning uh, crypto or crypto ads for a few reasons. One is companies like Imbrex that are like actually trying to be like a real company, which I'm most passionate about, like trying to build actual companies and not just like fundraising for monopoly money. Um, like once these companies become like real companies, they need to build a product and like Facebook and Google are not going to prevent them from doing that. Eventually, they're going to ascertain like that there's a difference between a post-ICO and a pre-ICO company. And all of these companies that you know I've helped raise hundreds of millions of dollars for, they now have that money to like market and build real businesses. So like on the like traditional, okay, I have a real company, I want to build it, I want to get users, I have a technology, like these people aren't doing anything wrong, right? Like they're technically doing the ethical right thing that they didn't scam people and take a whole bunch of money out of it. So like the digital marketing of old is going to come around to that and it's going to be fine and there's going to be real companies uh, and real money to spend there in a real industry there. On the ICO side, right, um, like I'm not as worried about that because one thing about crypto is everybody talks about like scams and all of this stuff that's going on. The truth of the matter is, is that there's still substantially more scams going on in like fiat currencies. You know, Wall Street has been scamming us for decades and within crypto, it's a very like self-regulated industry because like everybody knew BitConnect was a scam. Like I don't know who they were selling stuff to because at least within like the real industry, everybody like these syndicates weren't putting money in BitConnect. So like when you start seeing these things, it becomes very evident like who's doing the right things and who's not doing the right things. So that industry and I'm sure that regulation is going to come in, but that industry is going to fix itself as well in terms of like fundraising for good ideas isn't ever going to go away and marketing around that isn't going to go away either. Like there were companies that were launching Kickstarter campaigns and building websites and creating a real product and then they were going and pitching it to VCs. So like what's the difference between that and what like ICO marketers are doing now? It's just because it's like has the cryptocurrency name and people get scared. So with that said, if basic attention token and like AdHive and some of these other products that are like hoping to do these types of things, like I'm all for that because basically if crypto is going to work and it's not just going to be like Google Glass, uh, we're going to need actual dApps with real everyday users. And once there are actual dApps with everyday users, those platforms are going to have 2 million eyeballs a day, 200 million eyeballs a day. Once those numbers start to get real, those companies are not going to say like you can't run an ICO. Because a lot of times those platforms in and of themselves, similar to Imbrex, you can very likely build dApps on top of that or some type of companies within that. And then there will be fundraising mechanisms within these infrastructures. So uh, I'm not going to worry about, uh, what do you call it, um, like ad chain or basic attention token until like I actually see that those numbers are real and I can run ads on there. Um, but hopefully it'll a, work for the better. 
It's, for me. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. So somebody, I was reading that like, so for a podcast, for instance, right? So nobody wants to contribute, or actually, I guess people do contribute through Patreon to some. Um, but like, imagine using a, a smart contract uh, and you have a podcast and it's for, let's say that you're going to have some token sale, right? So you've got a successful uh, podcast about digital marketing. You've got a following. You say in the beginning, hey, guys, rather than use Patreon, mm-hmm. listen to this 30-second ad from XYZ, and I'm going to get compensated for that, right? Like, that's a pretty cool way to do it. And I don't know I don't know if that's already been tried without the crypto infrastructure, uh, but, I mean, I know that I would listen to a 30-second ad rather than go and find my credit card and give a dollar a month, right? I mean, I'll just... I don't want to listen to it for free, but if, if it's going to help out the person I'm listening to and they're providing quality content, I, I think that's, you know, a revolutionary idea. Yeah, and also uh, pay, Patreon's going to be a company that gets disrupted by blockchain for sure. Like, I'm sure that somebody's already building a decentralized Patreon because one, uh, like, yeah, I watch like, I mean, you do that at the airport. Like when you go to an airport, you can like, either pay for Boeing Go or like those like go fly go go. I don't like the apps have weird names, <laughs> but you can watch like a 30 second app and get free like internet at the airport. Um, like advertising is not ever going to like go away. Like I don't understand, like some people don't like it, but uh, like at the end of the day, corporations exist. Like, you know, money makes the world go round. And but the incentives could change. The incentives could change, but uh, like at the end of the day, like honestly, people like they like ads. Like I, I mean, like my wife watches the Super Bowl, and it's because she wants to watch the ads. Like I enjoy the ads on Facebook. Like I uh, was a little pissed when some of those crypto ads went away because like that was one of the main sources that I actually used to find good projects. Like uh, I mean, so, not so, so, in the so earlier I- stages. It got pretty swampy after a while. So I, I, I hate ads, but you know who's really good at it is Instagram. So mm-hmm. Instagram lately has been like, show, I've never bought, I don't think I've ever bought anything off of an ad until, and I bought three things off of an ad in like the last six months on Instagram. Cause like they put stuff in front of you that's actually, for me at least, like is relevant. So I don't know if they're, they're using some new algorithm or what, but they, they seem to be they have it locked down. I haven't seen it through any other platform. No, it's just your personal algorithm is, is getting locked down. (laughs) I'm, I'm serious. Like it's, it's that, like it's learning what you like to buy where, uh, and then also like when you buy, like, uh, there's a lot more to those algorithms. I mean, those algorithms are kind of creepy, but, uh, they can be useful, right? Like unless you're buying stuff and having buyer's remorse, like, as much as like you may hate ads, like you found out about these things that you wanted or needed that you now have joy and are getting joy out of because you were served with a well-placed ad. Um, and so like if these platforms can help with that, like good. I mean, I, I don't know if they're gonna be able to do it better than Facebook or Google. I think the bigger issue with something like Patreon is uh, for, Patreon just needs to be decentralized uh, so that um, you can send crypto because I think with a lot of those things, like the biggest issue is chargebacks. As a uh, like shout them out. So they'll be like, oh, like uh, like a lot of people on like Twitch, uh, they'll say like, 
oh, thank you so much, X, Y, and Z, and then that person will get a bunch of followers from their followers, and then they dispute the transaction to PayPal. So like, uh, Patreon does have uh, some issues that can be fixed by the blockchain, um, but I would rather like watch an ad than like have to get out like, like uh, to, to spend money really at all ever anyway. Yeah, just have it given right to you. Well, look, it's uh, we're coming up on on time here, but I, uh, Ryan or, or Lauren, if you uh, if you guys have any last thoughts or anything that you want to chime in before we break Tyler free, now's the time. Nope, that's it for me. Cool. You covered most of the questions. You know, uh, we talked about where digital marketing was heading and evolving in the crypto space and uh a lot of other things that were pretty interesting yeah how about you Lauren? yeah no i don't think so actually i'm a little bit curious about uh you, how you feel about twitter with this crypto community because i know they're they're pretty active um on there in general um i don't know if they accept ads that say blockchain or not but um i'm curious to see if any of your other clients have had luck with uh twitter for their icos i thought twitter was like one of the better ones um and it is organically but like twitter just must think like money grows on trees or like isn't worried about running out of it because like they've had a problem with their actual stock and like the fact that their company like is losing money and they had so many people marketing icos that they ended up like actually starting to report profits and doing really well and then they deleted like the ability to run ICOs, they're like the most strict. Like Facebook, uh, Google, like it was kind of like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, uh, a vanity ban. Like you can still run ads, you just have to know how to do it. Twitter, like you cannot run ads in any capacity. Like when they shut it down, they really shut it down. And it's weird because like Jack has like given like the most like high praise to blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. But the, what they need to understand is that that money is going to go elsewhere. Like I'm still spending, you know, millions of dollars a month on ads, like, but I'm just not spending it on Twitter anymore. Uh, and eventually I'm going to be spending money on dApps. So like by them doing this, they very well may be sending money to their future competitors. And I mean, I get why they did it, but uh, that very well in five years may be the decision that uh, those like blockbuster executives sitting in a room laughing about like some guy, you know, doing Netflix and mailing DVDs to someone, that's probably going to be them eventually. I mean, like there's companies, that's if the dApps get usage. If there's eyeballs on them, we're not going to spend money on like Facebook and Twitter anymore. Uh, and that's going to be a problem for them eventually. Like that will hurt their bottom line if like all the new cool games and technology are not able to advertise on their platforms like that's that's not good for the future of twitter but to answer your question no twitter sucks like for running ads you really can't get them approved it's a great platform to have communications and uh like conversations around crypto but that's because the industry is so small right now when the industry grows the organic aspect of it's just going to turn into noise and it's going to be useless just like everything else on twitter like I mean, I don't know. It was cool for a second, but they broke it. Yeah, yeah we were times. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you were joking around with uh, with Roseanne earlier. You know, the tweet that she sent out, and like, so that was uh, that was not good. And but like, 
from a like they the ABC didn't mess around with that, right? They just like canceled the show. So like Twitter, it has to be Twitter and these companies have to be very careful because everything is getting a lot of attention very quickly because the way information moves these days. And and they're like with what happened with Facebook and this whole Russia, what did or didn't happen there. I mean, they get they get a lot of heat right away, and so you know they have to be somewhat conservative and i agree with you sort of the innovators dilemma right it's um how do we handle this because it is income and and like with jack i I, you know i heard him at consensus and he seems to be a believer at least he says he is and so if you understand the technology you know where it's going then you kind of figure out a way to navigate that political landscape and say you know look let's we want to be advocates of this so let's not block it but so for let's not block you know, all blockchain, let's just block, you know, token sales or ICOs until we figure out what that, uh, how they're going to be categorized and what the, the law is going to look like. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird time. But for, they're not, for, they're not interested in that. So, like, I'm, I know you're like a conspiracy theorist about that a little bit. And I definitely <laughs> am as far as like, uh, look, at the end of the day, they can be politicians all that they want to. And what I'll say about Twitter is that if Donald Trump's like Twitter account uh, and crypto can't save that company from like not being able to make a profit, like they're never going to get those two opportunities again. So like that company may not exist in a very long time. But past that, uh, like Facebook and Google, like they can uh, like put on the mask of like, oh, like we're so like ethical and do no evil. And this is why we ban crypto is to get rid of scams. No, they got rid of crypto because they knew that they were funding their next competitor and they didn't know what to do about it. Because all of them, two or three months later, after I can't even use the word blockchain on Facebook in an ad, they then announced that they're launching blockchain and venture studios, both of them, like within two or three months. So like, you know, if they wanted to get rid of the word ICO or scam or like they're a creative company, they figured out how to make you buy stuff just in the past three months and it started with one thing and turned into three like they can figure out how to filter this stuff if they really wanted to but they're not they just don't want to fund their next competitor and like i get it but just call it what it is like don't try to like patronize yourself and make it sound like you're doing something good for the community like you're not you're just stifling innovation because you're scared of it okay well Uh, thanks for joining us on the second episode and uh we'll see you next time